Thank you, Kim. Please stand as we prepare to read from the Word of God this morning and open your Bibles, if you would, to 3 John, which is one chapter. 3 John, and we'll be reading verses 5 through 8. Again, 3 John 5 through 8. Again, this morning, Pastor Chris is preaching. His message is entitled, Sending the Scent. So follow along again as I read in 3 John, towards the end of the New Testament there. You've got 3 John and Jude and Revelation, and we're in 3 John, where I'll be reading 5 through 8. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers, who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Bow our heads and pray for you, please, this morning. Father, it is an awesome privilege this morning that we are preparing to send a missionary out from our church. What exciting anticipation we have with that, Lord. And that is just wonderful to be able to celebrate that as we are preparing for a special service next week as well, where we do send out a missionary. And as we send out these other missionaries that will be coming to our church as well. Father, thank you for the privilege to be able to send out missionaries to fulfill your purpose and plan. And speak to us this morning through this message, Lord. That, Lord, that we would continue to do the work that you've set us to do as well as we celebrate this sending effort as well, Father. Be with Pastor Chris in this message. We thank you for it in your name. Amen. Thank you, Randy, and thank you, Kim. That was a wonderful, wonderful song. Amen? All right. I'm looking forward to this week. Are you? I hope you are. I mean, this time of year in our church, I always think of three things that just over the past decades of, of, of my ministry here has meant so much to me at this time of year is uh, the crispness and the, the, the coolness of the fall air. Isn't that wonderful? And it's supposed to be uh, in the 50s and 60s this next week. It's just going to be awesome. Then World Outreach Week. Combine that with these missionaries that are coming and just the fellowship and the excitement, the vision, the passion. Wow, that's exciting. And then I'm always excited about the Chiefs. Well, two out of three is not bad this year, okay? We got two out of those three going on. And so I hope you're looking forward to this week. I know I am. Now, this week, as I was looking, uh, surfing the web there, looking at some things regarding our theme, sent, you know, a postal theme, I ran across a website called Improbable Research. Research that makes you laugh and then think. Jerry, I thought of you. I mean, this is just right up your alley. They had an article entitled Postal Experiments. Now, that just drew me in. I mean, Postal Experiments. What is this about? Sounded a little scary, actually. So I went in there and I looked, and here was their goal, improbable research. The goal was to stretch the postal service to the limits by sending various items with the proper postage, but not packaged in the proper way. Now, that's kind of cruel and unusual punishment to the Postal Service. It already, every day it's stretched beyond its limits. These guys are toying with it. Now, here's what they said. Having long been genuine admirers of the United States Postal Service, 
which gives amazingly reliable service, especially compared with many other countries. Our team of investigators decided to test the delivery limits of this immense system. We knew that an item, say a saucepan, normally would be in a package because of USPS concerns of entanglement in their automated machinery. But what if the item were not wrapped? How patient are postal employees? How honest? How sentimental? In short, how eccentric how eccentric a behavior on part of the sender would, would still result in successful mail delivery. Now, are you wanting to hear about this? This, this is just very, very interesting. These, these are people with way too much time on their hands. They sent a variety of unpackaged items to U.S. destinations appropriately stamped for weight and size. The point was it was unwrapped. And so they had these following categories, valuable items, Sentimental items, unwieldy items, pointless items, potentially suspicious items. Uh, I, I, I can only hope this was pre-9-11, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, and disgusting items. For example, let me give you an example, a valuable item. They took a $20 bill, wrapped it in clear plastic, and put postage. I mean, you talk about honesty. I mean, you know, I, I don't know about that. It arrived in just four days. Okay, another valuable item, a football, unwrapped. A football, unwrapped, arrived in six days. Now, I got a kick out of this. The mail postal carrier that delivered it was talkative and asked the recipient about the scores of various games for that week. The carrier reminded the recipient that mail must be wrapped, but it did get delivered. Sentimental, they sent a rose with a card tied to the stem. And it arrived in three days, beaten up, but the rosebud was still attached. I mean, they were gonna, that lady was going to get that rose, no matter what. Another sentimental thing they did, they put a molar tooth in a clear plastic box so it would have a nice rattling sound and you could see it. It arrived in 14 days, now get this, repackaged in a padded mailer by an unknown individual. The postage and address had been transferred to the outside of the new packaging, and a handwritten note in a woman's writing inside said this, Please be advised that human remains may not be transported through the mail, but we assume this to be of sentimental value and made an exception in your case. Isn't that great? That's just wonderful. Now, pointless items. They didn't make it as well. A can of soup, a brick, and a lemon, and a small bag of kitty litter did not get delivered. But this one is funny. A never-opened small bottle of spring water. Researchers observed the street corner box, mailbox, secretly the following day when the, mail, when the mailman came to collect it. After puzzling briefly over this item, the postal carrier removed the mailing label, drank the contents of the bottle over the course of a few blocks as he worked his route. You know, he just thought, hey, this is, this is mine. I mean, $20 bill, we'll get that to you. Water, I am thirsty. Okay? And then even disgusting items, like a deer tibia, which, you know, I don't, you know some bone. And then a large wheel of ripe cheese and a dead fish were all sent successfully. Sometimes the disgusting item was rewrapped. Each time a warning was given that mail must be properly wrapped to be sent. The dead fish got a more serious warning about not abusing the mail system. <laughs> now, I, what, now, what do we learn from this? Believe it or not, 
I, I spent some time thinking, now what do we learn from this? Because after all, I laughed, and then this is research that then you think. So here's what I learned from that that applies to this coming week. First of all, sending does not happen by chance. Sending does not happen by chance. For these unlikely and unwrapped items to make it, it took the right postage, and it took a team of people in the postal system to keep passing along. It wasn't just one person. It was a team of individuals that said, we are going to get this successfully sent. Secondly, I see from this example, sending is most successful when done according to written requirements. Okay, I do not recommend doing this. Don't do this at home, they say. Listen, following the written instructions is the wisest, fastest, and most successful way to get something sent in the postal system. And I would put for before you this morning that in sending God's most precious cargo, that is missionary couples and individuals committing to sharing the gospel to all peoples and all nations, that if we are going to do it the fastest, the most effective, and the most fruitful way, then we had better do it according to the written instructions. Amen? And so that's what I want to do this morning. To get us ready for this week, I want to help us in sending the scent. As you look around these faces, as you come Wednesday to meet these couples, they have all been sent. They have been sent by God, they have been sent by their local churches, and they are coming here to be sent by us. We are sending the sent. And so I want from God's Word to answer two questions and just give you two main points, and they're simply this. Why is sending so important? Why is sending so important? Why is sending these six individuals and missionaries across the nation, why is it so important to send them? And number two, how do we do it? How do we do it in a way that is good for the missionary, a way that will get them to the field from point A to point B to these countries that you see, and, and they will do it, and we will do it in a way that glorifies God in the process and will bring us joy as we participate? Well, let me give you the two points. Here's the first one. Sending is God's way of saving sinners like us. Why is sending so important? It's really simple. Sending is not man's idea. Sending is not something that we do because we have freedom in this country, because we have relative wealth in this country. No matter how bad our economy is, we are still rich compared to rest of the parts, many parts of the world. Listen, sending is not a human idea. It is God's idea. And it is God's sovereign, gracious way of saving sinners like us. And let me give you four proofs of that, four examples of that. First of all, God sent himself to rescue the very first sinners by giving them the promise of the gospel. God sent himself to rescue our forefathers, Adam and Eve. And aren't you glad he did? Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 19, you know the story. Eve tempted by the serpent, succumbed to disobedience and unbelief. She then tempted Adam. Adam disobeyed, succumbed to disbelief. They fell, they were in sin, and they hid, and they hid from one another, and they hid from God. And then what happens in Genesis 3? God sends himself. And he says the most beautiful words in Scripture. 
Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? God sent Himself to save the very first sinners. Now, He sent Himself when Adam and Eve were hiding from His holy presence behind a bush and from His loving pursuit of them. Now, this is sovereign grace. So undeserving were our first parents of God's gracious sending of Himself and searching from them. Listen, Adam, God was not out there looking for them because He didn't know where they were. God knew where they were. He was looking for them graciously because they didn't know where they were anymore. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know how to get out of the fix that they got themselves into. They didn't know where God was anymore. They didn't know how God would respond to their sin. And they didn't know how to make it right with Him. And so God sent Himself. This is sovereign grace. Only God was... Listen, do you imagine what Adam and Eve, the situation they were in, they had sinned and there was literally no one else to save them. There was no one in creation that was good enough because when Adam fell, all of creation fell. I mean, it's the two of them and it is God. And there's no one else that's good enough. There's no one else that's great enough. There's no one else that's gracious enough. except the God whom they had rejected and rebelled against, and he sent himself saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? And what have you done? Again, not because he didn't know, but because they didn't know. And so he sent himself. He shared with them the bad news of his holy judgment on their sin. He came with bad news. The first thing that he said to them was, you are cursed. Woman, you are cursed. Man, you are cursed. Serpent, you are cursed. Creation, you are cursed. Bad news. And then in Genesis 3.15, he shared the good news. The good news. The promise of the gospel. That there would be a seed of a woman who would come, and yes, the serpent would attack and bite his heel and cause pain and suffering and and potential death and victory, but that seed of woman would crush the head of that serpent, and there would be victory, salvation, hope in the coming Redeemer. Good news, but first there was bad news. Now, how did God keep that promise? That's Genesis 3.15. How did He keep that promise of a seed of a woman? God Himself kept that promise by not only sending Himself, but sending His own Son to be the seed of woman who was also God incarnate, fully God, yet fully man. And so the second piece of evidence that God is a sending God to save sinners like us is God sent His own Son to redeem those in bondage to sin by preaching the gospel and giving himself as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus was sent by God to redeem those in bondage to sin. Look in your Bibles at Galatians 4.4. Galatians 4.4. What a beautiful passage emphasizing that God's way of saving sinners is sending. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Look at what it says. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why did He come? 
to redeem those who were under the law and not just redeem us as slaves, but that we might receive the adoption as sons. Is that not glorious? God no longer treats his people as sinners. He treats them as sons. He came to not just redeem us and forgive us our sins, but to set us right with him and let us become children of God. He did this, though, not just on the cross. Sometimes we think that he just came, and then he died, and then he rose, and that was all that he did. No, he spent three, three and a half years preaching the gospel. Look at Luke chapter 4. Turn your Bibles back to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. He is beginning his earthly ministry, and he walks into the synagogue of the Jews, and they ask him to read, and he turns to the scroll in the scroll. They didn't have uh, iPods and iPhones then. He turned in the scroll to Isaiah, and here is what he reads in Luke 4, 18 through 21. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has what? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Well, how are you going to heal the brokenhearted? He tells us to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he folds and rolls the scroll up, he looks them in the eye, he has a pregnant pause, and then he says, verse 21, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You look in that passage, and he says, I have been sent, and three times he says, to proclaim, to preach, to proclaim. Listen, God's Son was sent to preach the gospel, and then to become the gospel through His death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus said this over and over. In Luke 4.43, He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. John 4.34, the woman at the well, His disciples said, Aren't you hungry? Don't you want to take a break from this gospel ministry, this, this sending and preaching? And He says, My food is due to the will of Him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Now, how did he do it? He did it by the preaching and the giving of his life. In John 17, 3, what a beautiful passage, talking about the sending of the Son. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How does God save sinners? He sins. He sins and he preaches the gospel. John 17, 8 makes this very clear. Listen, you cannot have the saving power of the cross without the preaching of the gospel. Let me say that again because we ought to hear some amens. You cannot have the saving of the cross without the preaching of the gospel. You cannot receive the benefits of Christ's atoning work without the preaching of the gospel. Because listen what John 17, 8 says. Jesus in his own words. For I have given them the words that you gave me. I find that amazing. The Son of God does not preach anything other than the Word of God. And they have received them. 
and have come to know the truth that I came from you. In other words, how do you know who Jesus is? It's through the preaching of God's word and the receiving of God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If these men and women are not sent to the lost to preach the gospel, they will not be saved. They have received them and they have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they have believed what? That you sent me. And it didn't just stop with the Son. The third piece of evidence we have is that God sent His Spirit. God sent His Spirit to regenerate those dead in sin. Say That's a big word, but it's a biblical word. Regenerate, to be born again, to be rebirthed, to be relived, regenerated, means to be born again because we were dead in sin. But how do you get the Spirit? How do you get the Spirit's birthing. You receive the gospel, but we receive the gospel in order to preach the gospel to all peoples. And that's the part, isn't isn't it church, that we forget? That we have received the gospel in order that we might share the gospel with others. Let me show you this. God sent His Spirit into the hearts of those who believe on Christ so that they could be born again, regenerated, born again by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, to become the sons of God. Listen again to Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive the adoptions of, uh, as sons and... Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So He sent His Son to redeem. He sent His Spirit so that we might have sonship. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, talk about the Holy Spirit being poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior. But, and here's the key, but God also sent His Spirit to empower you and I to preach, proclaim, announce, share, and witness the gospel to all peoples. Look at Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. Notice what it says. Luke 24, 49. Jesus has resurrected. He has his disciples gathered. He's shown them the scars. He's risen from the dead. And he gives them the great commission. And here's what he says in verse 49. And behold, I am sending. There's our word again. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So I'm sending the Spirit but I'm sending it in a particular place, and you must wait in that place, pray, and the Spirit will come. Well, and He will come with power, but why? Why do we need the power, Lord? What's the power for? Acts chapter 1. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, tells us why the Spirit has been sent, tells us why we need the power. Acts 1, 8, again, another great commission passage. But you will see, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You will receive power when I send my Spirit so that you may be witnesses 
to the remotest parts of the earth. Mongolia, Pakistan, Netherlands, Philippines, and yeah, even here in the old USA. And that brings us to the fourth piece of evidence that God saves sinners by sending, and that is this, God sends his servants. He sent the Spirit because he wants to send us as his servants to reach all peoples by preaching the gospel and planting churches just like he sent his son to do. The son, the, the son said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Well, what did he send the son to do? He sent the son to do two things. Preach the gospel, become the gospel, which we cannot do. That's a work that he did. He doesn't send us to, to sacrifice in the sense of atone for the sins of other people. But we can preach like he preached. But what Jesus also did is he gathered 12 who would become church planners and who would plant churches in the book of Acts. And those are the two things that we are sent as his servants to participate in. We are sent to help preach the gospel and to plant and establish and multiply churches around this planet to all peoples. Notice, in the Great Commission, Jesus sends us all out to be witnesses. I want to make that so very clear. That when we are sending the sent, we are also the sent. We are the sent who are sending the sent. Because we are all sent to be witnesses. How'd it go this week? How'd that go this week? Apostle means sent one with authority. In the Latin, which was the language of religion for many years, the word for sending is messio. And you hear in that Latin word, messio, that means sending, you hear the word missions, mission, and missionary. You see, missionaries are sent ones. They just happen to be sent ones that are sent to another culture. You and I are sent right where we work. This last week, we were on the mission field. This week, you're going to be on the mission field. And you're going to be rubbing shoulders with missionaries who are just like you, except they're going to be missionaries cross-culturally, learning a language, learning a culture not their own. You see, we've all been sent to be my witnesses. But here's the clincher, and you're probably already thinking this. Chris, how in the world am I going to preach to everybody on this planet? And how I can't, I don't know the first thing about planting a church. If it's dependent on me, it ain't going to get done. Well, it isn't dependent on you alone. It's dependent on all of us together, and not just this church, but us partnering with other churches. Listen, these couples aren't going to get where they have been sent without our, our church partnering with other church. And when you're little that you give next week, it's a faith promise. And so many of you have given so generously. We are even a little bit, if I, my last note, last report from Kim, we are ahead in what we have been giving. But listen, that is not enough to get all these people. We're going to, that, your little bit is combined with everybody else, and then everybody else in this church is combined with another church, and they're all their little bits, and all those little bits are combined together. I was talking to Jordan Isley last night, and he said, I said, Jordan, give me some, give me some stats on this. Tell me, tell me what your two and a half years have been like. Well, I started out with a list of a thousand churches. I've called over 600 pastors. Probably heard back from half. 
We've visited 150 churches, and we now have a little over 30 supporters that are going to get us where we have been sent. You see, we can't do it alone. We've got to group together. We've got to do this together. And so, through local churches, Jesus sends out those who are set apart. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. I want you to see how this works, because this is going to happen. This is going to take place Sunday. Sunday morning, we're going to see Acts 13, 1 through 4, played out again as it's played out around the world. It's going to be played out right here at Glenwood. Look at Acts chapter 13, 1 through 4. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Man, they are diverse. They are different personalities. They are made up from other cultures. They are a mixed bunch. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And out of Hutchison, Kansas, God said, Set apart for me Jordan Nisley for the work I have called him. And out of our church, he said, Set apart to me Nikki Howell, who is now Nikki Nisley, for the work that I have called them to. Set them apart. And as they ministered, he said this to them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they did what? They sent them away. Because that's how God saves sinners. He sends men and women to preach the gospel. Think of the bars and their daughter, Roger and Lynn Schmidt, set apart for the work, sent away. They fasted, they prayed, they laid hands, they sent them away. That's what we're going to do Sunday morning. Look at verse 4, though. So being sent out, Now, we would think, so being sent out by the church at Antioch, right? That's how we would write it, but what does it say? So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. You see, this is God's plan. This is God's purposes. These guys didn't have a planning meeting saying, hey, we need to reach the world for Christ. Let's raise money. Let's have a strategy meeting. Let's pick out Saul and Barnabas. Let's all do this. No, this was God's doing because this is God's way of saving sinners like us like me and like you. And mark it down. If you are saved this morning, God sent someone to you. He sent someone to you. So, there's our guests. They have all been sent. But the question is, how do we send them? How do we send them in a way that is good for them, glorifies God, and gets them to their destination? So, my second point this morning is simply this. Sending is our sovereign God's gracious way of supporting missionaries like ours. Sending is not only God's way of saving sinners, but sending is God's way of supporting missionaries like these that we have coming. How do you do that? I want to make the point again, and it's in your notes, and I'm up here on the screen. We are sent not only to share with those we meet. Please understand that this week is not a substitute for you witnessing to your lost friends and neighbors. These missionaries aren't going to win the people that you have been sent to. They are going to win the people God has sent them to, and we are here to win the people that we have been sent to. So we're sent not only to share with those we meet, but also to send others to share with people groups we will never meet. 
See, that's the beauty of it. I'm accountable for getting the gospel to Pakistan, but how am I going to do it? I'm not ever going to go there. I'd fail there. What am I going to do? I send the Fernandez. I participate. I help them. I'm never going to be in Mongolia, at least for any length of time. But they will be. And yet I'm still accountable to help get the gospel to Mongolia. And so how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, let me say this. There's only one way. We must sin. We must sin. Romans 10. Turn your Bibles to Romans 10, 14 through 17. Romans 10, 14 through 17. If there's a theme verse for this week, then this, these are the verses. Romans 10, 14 through 17. These are our theme, this is our theme verse for the week. How's it going to get done? Church, how is it going to get done? Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And let me tell you, these folks are going to parts of the world where the vast majority have never experienced what you're experiencing here today. The worship of the risen Savior. The preaching of the pure, saving word of God. The fellowship of saved believers in a comfortable surrounding, in a comfortable pew. Aren't they comfortable? Okay. They've never experienced that. How are they going to experience that? Those who have never heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? But it doesn't end with that. Here's our preachers. There they all are. They're saved. They're set apart. They've been trained. How shall they preach? And say it with me, church, unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And then, of course, the verse, the passage that, uh, that Randy read for us. How do you send? Here's how you send. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love. You love these people before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his namesake. What's the theme? Sent to all peoples for the fame of his name taking nothing from the Gentiles. The lost world isn't going to do it. The protesters on Wall Street aren't raising money for missions. The world is raising money to save whales. And I'm not against that, so don't, get, don't send me emails or hate mail. I'm not against that. I'm just saying, weigh it out. Weigh it out. A whale and a soul suffering eternity in hell. Let the world save the whales and the trees. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be about saving people from eternal judgment. Now, we are to partner with God in sending the sent to all peoples for the fame of His name. So let me give you the goal, and let me show you how we are to do it from the Word of God. First of all, the goal is to send them forward, not set them back. The goal this week is to send these people forward with momentum and not let them leave this church going, I, thank God we're out of here. And don't you think for a minute, on their two and a half years of deputation, there aren't a few churches that though they will never say it, they thought it, get me out of here. 
Now, church, you have a great reputation. You have a national reputation. This church has an international reputation of sending missionaries forward, moving them forward. In fact, this word for sin that we're going to look at, these six ways to sin, the word means, and the New King James does a masterful job of capturing it, send them forward on their journey. So I picture each of these couples, and I just picture them leaving next, next Monday morning, a week from tomorrow, I see them leaving with momentum, with wind in their sails, with, with hearts more ablaze, with more money committed to them, with more energy, knowing that there are people at Glenwood, whether we can support them all financially, there is a safe place at Glenwood Baptist that when I'm in trouble, when I am hurting, when I need help, whether they support us long-term financially, it's a safe place. It's a harbor that I can put my anchor down. Amen, church? Is this not what it's about? Amen, it is. Man, I'm excited. Are you? Turn to your neighbor. Are you excited? Are you excited or are you just pretending? You know, what's the deal? Let's get excited. Here's the goal. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6, And it may be that I will remain, here's what Paul says, Even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Wherever I go. Mongolia, Pakistan, Philippines, Boston. Netherlands. doesn't matter. Wherever I go, let's send them forward. Okay, let me give you six ways to do it. And I'm going to relate it to what's going to happen this week. Number one, all these verses, five out of the six are in Paul. So here we got the greatest missionary on the planet telling us how to send missionaries. Five of them are from Paul, and they all have the word send, the sending forward. So you send them forward, but how you do it is what matters. Number one, send them forward with respect. With respect. Pity the missionary that was sent by God to the Corinthian church. Listen to what Paul said. And Paul knew what he was talking about because he had been there. Okay, He had planted it and they, he knew it. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 16, 10 through 11. And if Timothy, if Timothy, Timothy, he was timid. If Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. What he's saying is, church, respect God's missionary. Don't disdain, don't disrespect, don't devalue him. Here's the postal image. Fragile, handle with care. Okay? Fragile, fragile, handle with care. Give them your respect this week. And you know the best way to show respect? Here's the most fundamental way. They've given their time to come here. How can we respect them? By us being here. By us being here every night. By us realigning our schedules. By us realigning our time. By us saying, you know what? I'm not going to despise you. I'm not going to take that for granted. I'm not going to devalue. I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up. That's the greatest level of respect. Secondly, it's more than just showing up. Send them forward with friendship. Send them forward with friendship. We're just not here to be here. Listen politely, pat them on the back, and give them a God bless you as we kick them out the door. We're here to not, to, to not just respect them, but befriend them. Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. He says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, 
Here's what he says. He says, man, I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying and praying that I could come here. And believe me, these folks have been praying about getting here. Maybe not for us by name, but Lord, give us churches. Give us pastors, people, and churches that will send us. They've been praying to see you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So there's going to be this one another thing going on this week. But to be a part of that, you've got to be here. But notice what he says in Romans 15, 22 through 24. He gets even more personal. And here's what he says. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way thereby thereby uh, helped on my way there by you if first I may enjoy your company for a while. You ever had a long trip and you have a rest break, right? It's refreshing, you pick the place out, it's a place you like to eat. It, 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 it's, it's refreshing. They're on a long deputation journey and they're looking for an oasis of a church whereby they may be encouraged, that they may be refreshed. Is that going to happen, church? Is that going to happen, church? Amen. Amen. God help us that it may. Here's the postal word picture. Care package. Care package. That's what we need to be. We need to be a care package for them this week. Refresh them. All them goodies. Remember in college when you got a care package, all was good in the world. Even though no one would accept my invitation for a date. If I got a care package, it was good. Okay, if, if we're going to show respect, if we're going to show up in this time, and in, in this day and age, and we're going to befriend, it's going to take work. Number three, send them forward with diligence. Send them forward with diligence. Listen, it's work to give your heart to people. It's work to meet new people. Hey, to bond with people in a week, it's going to take work and effort. It means getting out of your comfort zone and saying, Hi, my name's Chris. Welcome to Glenwood. We're so glad you're here. And then it takes work in not bending their ear to tell them all about your great life. They are not here to hear about our... They, listen, they want a listening ear. They want someone that will ask them questions about their passion, about their burdens, about their needs. One of the worst mistakes we make is we corner a missionary and then we talk them to death. Listen, they want a listening ear. Ask questions, and then sincerely listen to them, and you will refresh their hearts, and they will never forget their time at Glenwood. But that does take work. Notice what Paul says in Titus 3.13. He says, send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing. This word for haste is interesting because it's a word that has two meanings in different contexts. Sometimes it means speed and urgency, other times, it means work and diligence. Some translations translate it this way. Make every effort to help. Diligently help. Do everything you can. So let's focus on that for this, for this point. We send people forward out of hard work. So here, here's the uh, postal image. Special delivery. Special delivery items take extra work and extra care. And that's what we should give them. Give them everything you can. That's what, it, it's, that's what it translates. Give them everything you can this week. Give them all three nights. You say, why do I have to come all three nights? Well, you don't have to. Why would you want to? 
Because each night, you're going to see two missionaries, and if you miss a night, you miss two of the missionaries. So come each night. Come Saturday for the breakfast, ladies for the luncheon. Now, I just heard them for three nights. What more can they give? They let their hair down Saturday. We tell them to share their heart like they haven't. They've, you know what they have figured out? In th- it takes them three nights to figure out we're safe. It takes them three nights. And then they come, and then Saturday we give them permission to, to be themselves, and they know that when we say it, we mean it, and then they flow their hearts out. That's why you should come Saturday. Sunday morning, I've already said, Jordan and, and Nikki, you're going to watch Acts 13 lived out. What an honor for this church. What a, 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 a seal upon the legacy of Pastor Tyrone, Pastor Bruce's ministry here at this church. What a great thing to celebrate. But then Sunday night, why would I come after a week of all that? Because we're going to unplug it. And it's just going to get down to us, the missionaries, God, and the crucified one. Wow. Number four, there's a sense of urgency. Send them forward with urgency. I said this word sometimes in some context means hard work and diligence. In other contexts, it means urgency. So the ESV gets it both ways, and I I love how they translate. Do your best to speed them on. Do your best, be diligent, to speed them on. Hey, the Fernandez, going to Pakistan. She's pregnant. She is great with child. Don't think that woman doesn't need someone to listen to her as she's on deputation with a with a soon delivery in December. But you know what their haste is? They're saying, look, we want to have our baby in Pakistan. Who in the world, what American says that? Only one who is sent and who says, if I have the baby here, it will delay our re- arrival and we have a sense of urgency. Speed us on our way. I will have the baby in my new home country. Get us there. Get us there. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. Eternity hangs. And then number five, send them forward with generosity. Send them forward with generosity. I like the end of Titus 3.13. Make sure that they have what they need. See that they lack nothing. That they have everything they need. The postal picture, word picture, is a big box. A big box. You ever have someone deliver you a big box? Boy, it gets exciting around. The bigger the package under the tree the greater the excitement. Why? Because it speaks of generosity and lots of good things. Give them everything they need, lacking nothing. It all begins with being generous with our time this week, but then Sunday morning, it's gonna, there's a call for being generous with our money. In church, you do a great, great job at that, but we need to keep doing it because all these couples need to get there. Finally, number six. It's the ultimate, and it's the one in Third John. We send them forward with excellence in a manner worthy of God. Why? Because they don't go to make a name. Listen, you don't go to, you don't go to Mongolia to make a name for yourself. Are you with me? You do not go into world missions to make money. You go in world missions for the fame of his name to bring the gospel to the loss. The word, you know what the postal word picture, you can probably come up with it. First class. Everything needs to be first class this week. We need to be first class because it's for the fame 
of his name. Now, let me tell you, you know, some people wonder, well, what's the deal with the Lord's Supper? What's the deal with praying for these guys? I mean, the whole thing's over. Why are we doing that? Because it's for Jesus. Now, I, don't, I am not implying that if you're not here, you're not for Jesus. I'm just saying it's unplugged. There's nothing to come for Sunday. There's nothing to come Sunday night. I mean, there's nothing to come for except two things. We're going to exalt the crucified one who was sent for our salvation. And we're going to remember that the foundation of everything that has been done this week is not about us. It's not about missionaries. It's about the missionary, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we're going to pray because ultimately it doesn't depend on us or them. It depends on the one who sins to save sinners like us. Amen? So if you're into prayer and you're into loving on missionaries and you're into exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, and let me encourage you to come Sunday night. And here's what we're going to do. Missionary mail. It's in your bulletin. And let me just prep you on this. All over the church, all this week, there's going to be four by six cards where you can put the name of the missionary and you can send them mail because the theme is sent. And so you're going to send them mail. And you say, well, I'm not a good writer. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, read the instructions here in your bulletin and just put on there a one-sentence prayer. Put their name, because what happens when you send a letter that's not addressed? doesn't get there. Write a four-by-six card. It might be the greatest card in the world, but without their missionary name, mail ain't going to get sent, okay? So you put their name on that card, and then you write a prayer or you write a portion of scripture, or you write a praise about how they have blessed you in their presentation, or you put a positive word of encouragement, just, you know, all you got to do is go get them. Go get them for Jesus. Love Chris. And they'll eat it up. Then we'll have mailboxes all week long. You'll have missionary mailboxes. You drop your 4 by 6 card in there. We'll collect the mail each night. And then we're going to stick them in a 4 by 6 photo album, and that's going to be all their mail. And then Sunday night at Celebrate Unplugged, when we give them a special gift, the special gift is going to be that photo album with all of our messages of a portion of Scripture or a prayer or a positive statement, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to bless their socks off. Amen? But to make that effective, we have to all participate. We have to all participate. Wow. Are you excited? I am too. Let's, let's pray. And as you see in your notes, the response time is real simple. I'm asking you to do three things. As the praise team come up, I'm asking you to do three simple things. Number one, as they play, as they begin to play, I just want you to ask God one thing. God, what do you want to do in and through me? What do you want God to do in and through you this week? Just say, Lord, what do you want me to do in and through me this week? Number two, I want you to prioritize. I want you to say, Lord, I want to send them forward. I want to show them respect. I'm going to prioritize this week, and I wasn't planning on coming to to a lot of this, but I'm going to come to all of it. I'm going to prioritize this week. And then number three, I want you to pray about participating when you're here, about surrendering to God's sending purposes. So as they play, this is your time. Let's pray, let's prioritize, let's surrender to the sending God.